Hey guys, it's Ed, and I'm coming to you live. Uh, Will and I are working on a huge episode. Um, seriously, we are just over halfway done, and the episode is about four hours. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hope you guys really enjoy it. We've uh, been working on this for months now. Uh, we're super excited to bring it to you. Uh, we will have more information uh, later on about the topic and all that. But just know, it's good. It's super duper good. <laughs> so, last week, it was announced that Mike Richards would be the permanent host of Jeopardy. He is also the executive producer of Jeopardy. Uh, which drew comparisons to uh, when... George W. Bush was looking for a vice president and Dick Cheney was put in charge of finding that vice president only for uh, the VP to be chosen. And it was Dick Cheney. (laughs) And it's a fair analogy. But there's a whole bunch of shit that went on behind the scenes that y'all don't know about. And trust me, this shit is soap opera. I mean my word. <laughs> um, I, when I was pitching the story to Will, I actually uh, told him to make sure he was asking questions along the way because it's so convoluted. I'm going to do my best to relate to you in a way that's um, less convoluted, or at least where we can really just mock everyone involved, uh, except for Maya and by Alec, because we love her. I, I know she has a past of anti-vax and anti-whatever, But I I truly believe people can grow and learn and um, that she simply just made a mistake. Uh, And maybe I'm making a mistake by trusting her, but, you know, we've loved her since she was blossom, y'all. All right, so um, we've already talked about this part of the story. um, But before Alex Trebek died, uh, he did indeed say that he wanted a woman or a person of color as the host to replace him. However, he had a a fondness for Ken Jennings and told the higher-ups at Sony that he really felt that Ken Jennings was uh, the best person for the job. And with, with that... They took that as Alex's blessing and hired Kent on as a consulting producer. <clears throat> um, Mike Richards did not want Ken around. He didn't like Ken very much. Um, but he doesn't like anyone who gets more attention than he does. And, uh, you know... Well, He's kind of the leak behind the Pat Sajak, uh, you know, kind of losing his mind and uh, the new narrative of of Pat being a grumpy old man. Uh, because Alex was very beloved. Uh, Pat is, is hugely popular. Um, I think some can call him iconic or even legendary. And Mike doesn't really like that very much. Uh, He hasn't really uh, done anything to Vanna White yet, Uh, but give it time. Give it time. Uh, But while Alex was alive and battling cancer, Ken and Mike actually pretended to be friends and put on a show of friendship for Alex. Uh, Both of them truly admired uh, Alex. our LA source says that he believes that Mike's actually Mike actually did love Alex, uh, the same way that Ken did. Um, but our other source in New York said no. Uh, Mike only loves Mike. You can you can decide for yourself. Uh, after Alex passed, Sony was determined to sign Ken on the dotted line. And make him the permanent host. But they also wanted the spectacle of... That they were looking for a host and... 
that they were going to find the best person for the job. Um, and, and for you LeVar Burton fans, it hurts me to say this, but LeVar Burton was never actually in consideration for the job. He was given his week as guest co-host um, because of the fans. But he was never going to get the, the, the job. Um, I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds mean. But, um, you know, we made a promise to one another that I would never lie to you. So I'm living up to that. <laughs> um, so Ken was brought on to do a six-week hosting stint more than any other guest co-host. This is because they actually believed um, that Ken was going to be the next host of Jeopardy. Uh, um, and they were really blown away by the ratings. Ken, uh, Ken's first week was actually on par with what Alex did. Uh, his second week and thereon really didn't dip all that much. He was very steady. Um, and everyone thought this was a great thing, except for Mike. Mike knew that if the ratings didn't dip, if the ratings, uh, were fairly steady, that would mean Ken was getting the job, and he couldn't have that. So, he dug up those controversial tweets that Ken put out years ago, and reminded a buddy of his in the press. And you have a ready-made scandal just in time for woke culture, or cancel culture, to uh, come in. Understandably, Ken was furious about uh, this being revealed. Uh, and... He wanted to get revenge on whoever did it. Uh, Things were so bad that he actually almost lost his job over at The Chase on ABC uh, because of the controversy. Uh, When his time as guest co-host came to an end, the controversy died out. And um, Sony once again uh, assured him that he was going to be a great host. Uh, and negotiations started. But Mike followed Mike's stint as co uh, as guest co or guest host. Um the ratings actually stayed fairly decent. <coughs> uh, which empowered the Sony executives to believe that they were uh negotiating from a position of power. So Ken decided to turn on the tables and remind them that he now has an existing relationship uh, not only with ABC and their executives, but also with the ABC audience, uh, which made him a much more desirable candidate to host the syndicated version and the primetime versions that are coming uh, than anyone else. The Sony execs were not thrilled with this turn. Um, he Ken was completely right, but they didn't like that he. They didn't like that he pointed that out to them. Uh, in a way, they felt like he was saying "fuck you," you know, you're you're not going to uh, take control of this like you think you're going to. Uh, and lucky for him, what transpired was a successive uh, downgrade in guest co-host, uh, culminating with Dr. Oz, uh, who sank the ratings by more than 50%. Uh, Mike continued to push himself as the ideal host, but the Sony execs weren't buying it. And then Mayim Bialik took the lantern 
And everyone was blown away. Um, she saw the highest rating since Alex. Um, and But also backing her up was the fact that she has a PhD in neuroscience. And her popularity from the Big Bang Theory really fueled this. And... Ken was told that they were entering into negotiations with Mayim to be the host. Uh, again, this was a power play by the Sony exec saying, like, hey, look, we don't need you. We have other options. <coughs> um, Mike Richards, though, tried to uh, sabotage Mayim uh, by reminding his buddies in the press about um, controversial things that Mayim had said in the past. Uh, But Mayim saw through this, unlike Ken, and went to the executives at Sony and told them, hey, look, I'm not playing this game. I'm not going to work with him. If you want me to sign on, he has to go. Um... So while Mayan was doing this, it finally clicked over that Mike was sabotaging everyone. And Ken began doing a a little bit of turnabout is fair play here and started digging out in Mike's past. Uh, And when it came out that Mike was in advanced negotiations uh, to replace Alex, suddenly everyone was reminded of Lawsuits that Mike was part of from The Price is Right and other uh, game shows like Let's Make a Deal. Uh, And essentially these lawsuits said that Mike was the executive producer and he would fire women because they got pregnant. And this almost derailed Mike's negotiations... So, Mayim was once again the front runner to kind of land the coveted job. But, Call Me Cat was renewed uh, unexpectedly. Uh, so, she wasn't going to be available to, um, to be the host. Uh, at least not on the schedule that they're used to. Um, and so they worked with her and got her to agree to host the primetime specials. Uh, one of their biggest things was that uh, while they do like the continuity of one host over all iterations... Uh, we see it with Family Feud. Steve Harvey hosts the syndicated version and uh, Celebrity Family Feud. And uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna White host uh, the syndicated Wheel of Fortune. And then, of course, uh, they host Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. Um, Jeopardy wanted to do something a little bit different here. Or I should say Sony wanted to do something a little bit different here. They wanted Mayim... Uh, with her background and prime time, again, with the Big Bang Theory, Call Me Cat, and Blossom, um, as well as um, her background in neuroscience, where, you know, brains and, and, and smarts actually do matter, um, they figured she would be the perfect face for that. Uh, and the excuse that they gave was, mine's too busy to do uh, both, but Mike is also too busy as executive producer of Wheel of Fortune and uh, Jeopardy uh, that he would not be able to maintain hosting two iterations uh, and executive producing everything. <coughs> so, but secretly what Sony wants to do is they're going to write out the Call Me Cat show uh, and they're... They're going to uh, start to ease Mayim in 
um, you know, if Mike's on vacation or, um, you know, something of that sort, they're going to start to push Mike out the door. Uh, and once Mayim is fully available, uh, she will be the sole host of Jeopardy. And, yeah, I mean, uh, Ken Jennings, for his part, is still going to be a consulting producer on Jeopardy. Uh, and he still has his duties over on the chase. What we're hearing is uh, um, ABC is desperately looking for a uh, show, a vehicle for him. Uh, Mike Richards uh, is expecting to uh, stay behind the Jeopardy lantern uh, for quite a bit, uh, but don't expect that to be to actually be the case. Uh, our source over at Fox uh, said that the only reason why Call Me Cat was renewed for season two uh, was because of the uh, talent and because of uh, the the creatives behind the scenes, including uh, Mayim and uh, Big, her Big Bang Theory co-star Jim Parsons being executive producers. Uh, they don't expect Call Me Cat to make it to a season three without a huge ratings pop. <laughs> um, and um, so everyone's really just preparing for for that show to be canceled and for Mayim to eventually uh, take over Jeopardy. And I'm preparing to take myself a little break here. I'll be right back. And I am back. And we are moving from Los Angeles to the Great White Way. Yes, a scandal on Broadway, darlings. <laughs> this one came with some extra verification uh, and some extra work that we did. Uh, to make sure that we were bringing you the juiciest gossip, of course. Uh, but also, uh, not just the juiciest gossip, uh, but uh, gossip that wasn't going to... Um, I don't really know how to say that. Um, so we're just going to move on now. <laughs> um... Broadway star, uh, and I believe Tony winner at this point, Aaron Tevitt is having a moment of popularity. Uh, he was just in, uh, two episodes of American Horror Stories, uh, for FX on Hulu. Uh, he is, uh, a, a co-star, one of the, actually one of the leads of Schmigadoon on Apple TV+. Plus. And really, he just has a whole slew of projects. Uh, and it's not hard to see why the dude is talented. There is no arguing that. Um, and I believe he's one of the only leading men who can actually belt out a tune. Um, so, there's that. But, as with most people who experience a huge uh, surge in popularity. Aaron is not quite the saint that everyone believes him to be. Uh, so, uh, this comes from our source in New York, uh, backed up by a, a source I have on Broadway, as well as our LA source, uh, along with a few other people. Uh, Aaron was dating a a girl. Uh, and she thought that they were really serious. Uh, in fact, she was planning on getting married to him. And uh, she thought she would surprise him one night and went 
to his dressing room uh, on the Moulin Rouge set, stage, whatever you want to call it. Um, and she found him being orally serviced by two men uh, who happened to be his co-stars. <laughs> or they were in the musical with him. I call them his co-stars because, you know, they're... To me, they are, but... Um, some people take umbrage with with that sense. Uh, to our to the best of our knowledge, uh, they were not um, they were not um, part of the main cast. Uh, so the girl ran away crying, and he finished getting a blowjob uh, from the two guys. After he was done and after the performance was over, he called her and asked why she ran off. Uh, and that she could have stayed and watched the show if she had wanted. Uh, and that he would have taken her out to dinner. Uh, however, she when she pointed out that, you know, basically he was cheating on her, he pulled out the old adage that they had never actually agreed to be monogamous. So, the girl ended the relationship and talked to our New York source uh, and told her everything that happened. Uh, And uh, our L.A. source had heard very similar stories beforehand uh, and actually was a witness to uh, something uh, similar happening on the set of American Horror Stories uh, where, um, again, Aaron dropped his pants. Two dudes were blowing him. And... uh, his co-star, uh, Matt Bomer, walked in and caught them. And Matt just walked away. Now, a lot of people are asking, uh, they've asked our LA source, um, why we should believe that Matt Bomer walked away rather than, uh, joining in. Uh, the... The very easy answer here is that uh, Matt Bomer is not interested. Uh, He's not interested in getting involved in these antics. Um, While a lot of people believe that he has hit his peak, uh, Matt is still convinced that he can um, come back to uh, a relatively high level. Um... And he doesn't want a scandal like this to follow him around. That's not saying he's not into uh, that sort of thing. We don't know for sure. Uh, As for Aaron. Aaron has uh, stated uh, in the situation very similar to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio before him. um, And um, there's there's another star who also did this. And I am uh, blanking on who it is. If you remember, uh, shout me out. Um, you know all the places. Um, at author Ed Anderson on uh, Facebook and Instagram. At author Ed A on Twitter. Um, and, and just remind me of, of who the other guy is. There's another dude. But basically what they do is they come out early on in their career as either bi or gay. Um, Luke Evans did this for a minute. Uh, Luke came out as gay, then was, uh, as he was reaching the top of the field, uh, ended up retracting that only to come out again. Uh, But that's essentially what uh, Aaron Tevitt did. Uh, he was very open about being bisexual. Uh, and then as he started to see his fame rise, he pulled back, um, and 
Demir that he, what he said was taken out of context and all of that. Um, so, we're not technically outing him because he's already outed himself. Um, the only thing we're outing him as here is a, a, a dude who likes two people going down on him and, um, yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna leave that one there. <laughs> I'm gonna take a break and I'll be right back. And I am back. And you'll remember a few weeks back we talked about the Willem Belly and RuPaul feud. Uh, it's been exploding for a hot minute now. Um, but just to refresh your course, uh, Willem has been trashing Rue to mutual friends. Rue vowed to write a memoir destroying Willem. However, Rue was talked out of it because it would tarnish his brand and uh, kind of drag the show down with him. The show being RuPaul's Drag Race, of course. So, Rue decided to hit Willem in the wallet and tried to force uh, Willem to turn over uh, money that he felt he was owed, that was owed to his company, uh, World of Wonder. Uh, anyone who signs on to be a contestant on Drag Race has to pay uh, World of Wonder 10% of what they earn. But, um, when Willem was disqualified, uh, the contract was also voided, and, um, Rue was dealt another loss. So, we're picking up with Willem just being pissed, understandably so, of course. Uh, and he has vowed that if Rue wants to continue to play dirty, he is more than happy to get in the mud with him. So, according to numerous sources uh, throughout the publishing industry, Willem has signed a huge book deal, uh, which I've been asked not to disclose, uh, many details of it, but what I can tell you, uh, is there's a huge advance and the book is downright dirty and nasty. <clears throat> um, of course, the deal was aided by the fact that Willem is already a best-selling author. Uh, his last book, Suck Less, spent... Uh, quite a bit of time on the New York Times bestseller list uh, and is uh, a go-to for any fan, new or old, of Willem's. <clears throat> um, uh, the other thing I can kind of assure you is that uh, they are fact-checking the book and all of my sources have said that not only does everything check out uh, 100%, but, uh, they are expecting to cause a sensation. Uh, and of course, Rue is furious about this. Uh, Rue has questioned why, uh, this can't be stopped. Uh, why, uh, why Willem is allowed to continue to trash and disrespect. Uh, um, so there's a lot of, to unpack here. Uh, of course, the feud was reignited a few years ago, uh, back in 2019, I believe, uh, when a mutual friend of Willem and Rue's was sick and Rue refused to go see the uh, see their friend. And Willem was 
just furious. Up until that point, I don't want to say that they were friends, but they were actually uh, closer to getting along than at any point uh, leading up to this. And uh, so Willem was, Willem was just fed up, right? Um, and Rue felt disrespected uh, that uh, Willem was not letting this go. That it was his own personal relationship with their friend. And nobody knew uh, what was happening besides the friend and 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 Rue. Uh, and that Willem should have just kept his mouth shut. Well, that may have been the spark. But the gasoline was already laid when a uh, former drag queen uh, from RuPaul's Drag Race started spilling the tea all about uh, the quote-unquote unfair contract. And Willem began to speak out on it, uh, talking about how it's not fair and that World of Wonder claims that they get you jobs and all of that. But yet... They never actually lift a finger to help. Um, They just want to collect money. And when Rue heard about this video, he wanted it pulled down immediately. But as with most things, uh, it didn't happen. And uh, Rue began to shift blame and point fingers at everyone who wasn't RuPaul. (laughs) Um, uh, Including claiming that Willem was more than happy to be on the show under his own terms, uh, which made it unfair to the other queens. Willem struck back that Rue, for for too long, had controlled the narrative of why he was disqualified. Up until now, uh, the official story had been that Willem had been sneaking his husband onto the set, or into his hotel room, uh, for a conjugal visit. Uh, and it was discovered, um, and Willem was... Released, But the actual story, at least according to Willem, is that he kept pointing out that there were so many inconsistencies within, um, within Rue's image and um, what was happening behind the scenes. Uh, there were SAG violations. Um, the World of Wonder uh, contract was believed to be, um, unfair, uh, and actually, uh, not only unfair, but, um, uh, unlawful. (laughs) Um, and that Rue himself was transphobic and would say things like, you have he, she now. Um, And every time he pointed out these violations or made a complaint to the union, Rue grew even more furious and wanted to make sure that his career was derailed. Uh, The only problem here was that Willem was not uh, looking for a career uh, in... In clubs or performing, uh, or performing in clubs or uh, going on tour or anything like that, Willem has always been an actor, and this ticked uh, Rue off even more because that meant even less money would be rolling in, because World of Wonder's contract only focused on 
clubs and tours. <clears throat> and so the two really just went after one another. Now, this is a good old-fashioned queer feud uh, that has no signs of letting up anytime soon. <clears throat> um, and it's not exactly like either of them are poor. Uh, despite Willem uh, presenting himself as poor white trash, um, you know, his YouTube uh, channel probably brings in thousands, tens of thousands of dollars uh, every every month. Uh, not to mention royalties from different projects he's been in. Uh, as well as uh, uh, music um, streaming royalties and um, new uh, new content that he is being featured in. Uh, so he may not be coming at Rue from a high perch like Rue Paul is, uh, but he certainly got the money to fight back. Uh, and he is definitely wielding it. We're, of course, going to stay on top of this story. But for right now, I'm going to take a break. And I'll be right back. And I am back. And our... Our winning streak... It just continues. <laughs> you know, Megan McCain, of course, exited the view... On uh, August 6th, after almost four years of getting on everyone's nerves. Um, you know, there's so much to say about Megan McCain. Um, I, I've already revealed to you all that um, behind her back and towards the end of her run, uh, producers called her the princess of nepotism. Uh, and she actually mentioned it on air a few times uh, that people were were grossly sick of her um, mentioning who her father was uh, and name-dropping all of these people. Uh, and in fact, she name-dropped uh, in one of her last shows uh, after Kathy Griffin revealed that she had uh, lung cancer Megan decided to uh, kind of take a pointed stick and, and and poke the beast while she was down. And yes, we can call Kathy Griffin the beast. She loves us. We love her. It's a big love fest. Um, but she she decided to beat Kathy while she was down and point out that Kathy, she felt that Kathy made some very homophobic comments about her quote-unquote best friend, Clay Aiken. Clay, in retaliation, um, or what can only be seen as retaliation, uh, tweeted a picture of him and Kathy uh, fundraising together when he uh, was running for senator in North Carolina, uh, and basically said that they had healed their old divisions, and uh, he wished her a speedy recovery and hoped that she was up and making people laugh again. Fairly soon. And all of that would have been just perfect. Um, but of course this is Megan McCain. And her antics behind the scenes were just as atrocious as what we saw uh, up front. Or on screen. Uh, as her going away uh, show neared, nearly nobody that she had asked for wanted to come say goodbye to her. Uh, she, uh, for a large part, she continued to blame cancel culture as well as uh, her being more middle America. I just want to point out that Cindy and John McCain 
are, are worth $250 million. Uh, she does not know what middle America wants. Uh, you know, let's just be real here. If you If your family is worth a quarter of a billion dollars, you don't know what it's like to go to bed hungry. You don't know what it's like to... Uh, fight for everything you have. Uh, I do. I, you know, I, I've been very open about growing up uh, on the poor side. Uh, and inclining and working my way uh, to where I'm comfortable. And I'm proud of what I've accomplished. Megan McCain has accomplished absolutely nothing in my opinion. She's coasted on her name, and she's coasted on who her dad was, and utilized his power to get a gig on Fox News, and then later on The View. And even her husband, uh, you know, he runs The Federalist, uh, which is anti-gay and anti-everything, uh, you know has made homophobic and transphobic comments, and yet she procreated with him. So her concern uh, for what Kathy Griffin said just really rings false, since her husband is a piece of shit. And Megan, I know you're listening, honey. You are a piece of shit. Your husband's a piece of shit. Y'all just need to be flushed down the toilet. Okay? Okay. Now that we've got that out of the way. And yes, actually, y'all, I have it on good authority. Four different people, including Will, told me uh, that Megan McCain listens to our podcast. How freaking cool is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just makes me so happy that that piece of shit knows I think she's a piece of shit. <laughs> um, getting back to the point here. Uh... So, nobody wanted to uh, appear on Megan's final show. Uh, It wasn't that they couldn't, uh, that there was nothing to promote. It wasn't even that, um, that they couldn't get people. um, Or, I shouldn't say that they couldn't get people. It wasn't that no one had nothing to promote. Um, It was just that... Nobody wanted to be associated with Megan McCain. Uh, so they got Senator uh, Kristen Simak, I believe is how you say her name. Uh, the senator from Arizona. Um, and Cindy McCain. Uh, they also were able to secure a pre-taped message uh, from... Uh, former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, uh, to wish her well. Um, uh, and, and a lot of people believe that the message from Paul Ryan uh, was more of his name uh, re-entering the lexicon for a 2024 run. Uh, but notice he couldn't even be bothered to do an interview. He only did a pre-taped package show. Our sources at ABC News, uh, including The View, have told us uh, that he was very emphatic that he would not do an interview. Um, And a lot of people, a lot of the producers believed that it was because The View was seen as more of a liberal-leaning show. However... It was pointed out that Paul Ryan has done The View uh, several times uh, in the past. And that one of his people slyly told uh, one of the uh, booking producers that, well, he, he definitely wants his name out in the conversation... Uh, and he wants to start raising his profile for a potential 2024 run. He also uh, did not want to be too closely tied to Megan McCain. 
now you're getting the picture. Nobody likes her. Um, obviously, her mother, Cindy, was more than happy to um, come on the show. Uh, although there is a little bit of mother-daughter tension because it has been rumored uh, that before President Biden uh, nominated her for an ambassadorship to, I believe it's Japan, uh, Miss McCain, Miss Cindy McCain, was actually a top runner to take over Megan's seat. Um, but when the president, when, when, when a competent president calls, you don't say no. Uh, so... Uh, and of course, Joe Biden is very good friends with uh, the McCains, uh, and even he couldn't be bothered, uh, despite uh, him appearing on the show just after John McCain died and them sharing a very tender moment. Um, there, there was conversation about asking him to appear uh, as the big get. Uh, and it didn't happen, so the big get ended up being uh, former Speaker Ryan. Uh, but it wasn't just celebrities and politicians that wanted nothing to do with uh, Megan McCain. Her co-host wanted nothing to do with her as well. Her co-hosts uh, have celebrated... Almost everyone else that has left the show following a multi-season run. However, uh, this time, there was no goodbye party. Despite lockdown being lifted, restaurants and uh, other venues being open, uh, Whoopi has made it clear that she is not a fan of Megan McCain's. Uh, and, in fact, every other co-host, including Rosie O'Donnell, has been invited to come back and sit with the table, even if it was a uh, empty gesture. Megan was not even extended that invitation uh, during her final show, um, because Whoopi said, no, we don't want to deal with her anymore. <laughs> um, obviously... Joy Behar, who has been with the show since the beginning, uh, she is uh, in the city, but she's not interested in um, celebrating someone who has made her life a living hell for many years. Uh, Sonny Hostin, I, I believe, is in the Hamptons at this point. Um, and... Uh, she did not um, she did not offer to come into the city uh, to celebrate, even though allegedly uh, she and Megan are good friends. Uh, and Sarah Haynes uh, was not interested. Uh, and Megan herself, despite whining and crying that she did not get a going away party, did not make the effort to even uh, come into the city for it to happen. So once again, it's just more of a critical, uh, a hypocritical, uh, stance of hers. Uh, you know, cry for me because I didn't get this, but I'm not going to do anything to make sure, uh, that it happens. <sighs> Good riddance to bad rubbish. It's time to flush the toilet now. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. And I am back. Uh, if the Jeopardy uh, Mike Richards story wasn't the biggest pop culture event uh, last week, then this next segment certainly was. According to court papers, Jamie Spears has officially filed to be removed as Britney's conservator. Of course, in the paperwork... He fired back at those who have alleged conservative abuse, namely his daughter. 
and said that there is no reason for him to be removed. However, it's in the best interest of Brittany uh, if he is, uh, given that he doesn't want a very public feud uh, with her that he cannot win. Uh, everything's expected to uh, happen relatively quickly. Um, there's a hearing set, I believe, for September 15th, uh, at which time uh, a CPA is likely to be announced as Brittany's new conservator, uh, and uh, it is likely that Brittany will uh, sit down with both the personal and the financial conservators uh, and make a plan uh, that everyone feels is best. <clears throat> right now, uh, Jamie and his crew are feeding stories to the gossip blogs that um, the, the entire family is spreading that Brittany will be uh, pregnant and or dead, or pregnant within three years and dead within five, uh, because they don't believe that her boyfriend has her best interest at heart, and they believe that Jamie was the only one keeping her off of drugs. Let's just let that sit for a second. You're... They're basically accusing Brittany of not being able to uh, take care of herself, uh, despite the fact that uh, Jamie blew through nearly three uh, three quarters of her fortune. Uh, at one time, Brittany was estimated to be worth $200 million. That number has shriveled up to just $50 million. Now, of course, $50 million is still a lot of money, uh, and Brittany is still generating income from things like her perfume line and uh, royalties from her songs. Uh, and she does have at least one more um, record on uh, that she's contractually obligated uh, to record. Um, but... Uh, the record label, like everyone else, is supporting her uh, in, in terms of having Jamie removed. Uh, once Jamie's removed, uh, it is said that Britney could have a new CD out uh, within another year or two. Uh, and that this one is going to be more along the lines of what she wants to do uh, rather than... Uh, songs that were forced upon her. <clears throat> so, what is what is actually happening here? Well, according to multiple sources, Jamie Spears is completely afraid. Of criminal charges being pressed against him. And in fact, Brittany's new lawyer is driving that uh, the new conservator will be doing a deep dive into finances to find out exactly what happened to the other $150 million. Uh, because, as has been pointed out, uh, Brittany had a very successful Las Vegas residency, which is said to have brought in $100 million uh, to her personal pocket. Uh, she, she also had a hit, even though it did not hit number one, it was still a very big album in glory. Uh, she, her, her perfume lines have always been outstanding. Where a lot of people believe the money went was in the Britney Spears lingerie line, uh, which instead of partnering with Victoria's Secret or another high-end lingerie company, uh, Jamie decided to build one from scratch, uh, hiring uh, designers, sewers, uh, marketers, and the such. Uh, despite Brittany's objections that she didn't even want to do 
a lingerie line. As part of the stepping down process, it is highly believed that uh, Jamie is asking uh, that everyone just conveniently forget that he ripped his daughter off of $150 million uh, and that um, he'd be allowed to go back to doing whatever it is he wants to do um, and try to repair his relationship with Brittany. Uh, Brittany has indicated uh, to several people now uh, that she's not interested in in repairing that relationship at this time. Uh, in fact, she's not even fully convinced uh, that she wants to have a relationship with her sister, uh, Jamie Lynn, or her mother, Lynn Spears. Uh, at this time, uh, she does feel very isolated and alone, although uh, rumor has it she has been talking to her ex-husband, uh, Kevin Federline. Not in a romantic sense, but more in a, you know, these people are using me. Her boyfriend, Sam, uh, I don't know how to say his last name, uh, Afghani, uh, Asghani, however you say it, um, is also said to, uh, that if his, if his ultimate goal was to, uh, get his hands on Brittany's money, uh, even if he thought that he was going to walk away with half of it, marry her, uh, and then walk away in a divorce with, with a nice settlement, uh, it's not likely going to happen. Uh, it would have happened if the conservatorship uh, ended completely, but that's never what Brittany asked for. She's always asked to have her father removed uh, and someone else put in charge because she felt that her father was ripping her off. Now, uh, now with that coming out, uh, that he likely was, uh, a lot more people are starting to, uh, see very clearly what's happening. Um, and there's a bunch of testimony, um, that Will and I will get into probably in a deep dive, um, in season five, uh, where we learn about um, just exactly what happened, um, how strict this conservatorship was, uh, and what's going to happen uh, with a new conservator in place. <clears throat> um, I've already started doing some research on this, so, um, and that's not the big episode I teased at the beginning of this. Um, but it is something, obviously, I love my girl, Brittany. So it's definitely something that I've been uh, working on. Will Jamie get away with no no criminal charges? Um, I've talked to several uh, lawyers. Uh, none of them obviously represent Brittany or Jamie Spears. Um... And in fact, only one of them was licensed to practice law in California. Each of the lawyers uh, had a different take on things. The most common answer was, it's going to be very hard to, pr to prove conservator abuse. Uh, even, even against... Uh, Brittany's objections, there's nothing illegal about starting a failing business. Uh, uh, particularly if there was reason to believe that it would uh, pick up uh, later on down the line. Now, where it could get very interesting is uh, if they only used Brittany's money uh, to start it and Jamie gave himself any kind of slice of the business, uh, then we're going to start to see a little bit more uh, where it could be conservative or abuse. Uh, if he was, according to the California lawyer, 
Uh, if he owned anything more than 5%, uh, it's almost guaranteed that he's going to be hit with conservator abuse charges. Um, even if he was the mastermind behind it and thought that this was a great idea. Um, if there are, if it turned out that he used Brittany's money to invest, uh, in anything else, um, there are rumors that, uh, he has a, um, a slice of some restaurants in California. If it turns out that he does indeed... Uh, owner slice of these restaurants uh, and he put it in his name and not Britney's uh, those shares will be uh, reverted back to her and he may have to repay her uh, a lot of money or face the conservator abuse charges of course we're going to stay on top of this story but for now, that's going to be it for me. Thank you all so much for listening. Coming up next is Will with Politalk. Hey, folks. Welcome back to Politalk. That fascinating place where, in the month of August, in the year of our Lord, 2021, we are still talking about the goddamn coronavirus. Right now, the Delta variant is surging across the United States. Cities, states, and businesses across the country have instituted new and harsh restrictions to combat the spread of this much more virulent variant. In my personal home state of New York, government has mandated proof of vaccination for people looking to visit businesses and restaurants within the city. And many indoor venues now have limits on how many patrons they can seat at once. These new measures have slowed the spread more than they've halted it, but fortunately... Since a significant percentage of New Yorkers have been vaccinated against COVID-19, the severity of most outbreaks has been minimal. Not so in Texas and Florida, where we'll be following up with embattled governors Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott. Abbott, in particular, is facing an open rebellion from many universities and local municipalities over his outright ban on a statewide mask mandate and his threat to sue any city or business that goes through with one. The city of Austin has ignored his order, as have several Texas universities. And the fight looks poised to go before the state Supreme Court very soon. Although Abbott's stance has drawn fire from both Democrats and more moderate Republicans, the latter of whom have questioned why the governor is overruling local authorities and forcing them to obey top-down orders, It's played very well with the more extreme right-wing members of the Republican Party, some of whom Abbott alienated last year with his mask mandates, and a few of whom have even threatened to primary him over it. Governor Abbott seems to have made the calculation that appeasing his base is more important than appeasing the rest of his constituents. Ron DeSantis in Florida appears to be making a similar calculation. Florida is facing the highest rates of COVID transmission and new cases in the country, just barely beating out Texas. But DeSantis, like Abbott, is coming down hard on any local authorities who try to put in mask mandates or vaccine requirements. Much like in Texas, outcry in Florida is fueled by overworked and often under-equipped hospital staff who are facing conditions they haven't seen since the worst days of the pandemic this time last year. In Austin, for example, hospital ICU beds are full, and the state has put a ban on all non-essential surgeries until the state of emergency dies down. I do have one bit of good news for y'all on the governor front. New York's much-mocked Governor Andrew Cuomo, who we covered last week as more allegations of sexual harassment and assault against him came to light, has officially resigned from his position as governor, ahead of efforts by the New York State Legislature to impeach him. According to our sources, it took a great deal of effort from his staff to convince the governor to resign. Up until the day he made the announcement, Cuomo was determined to stick around and try and fight out the charges as he'd done before. He believed, according to reports from his and the New York legislature's staff, that he'd be able to discredit his accusers through a smear campaign, and could even do the same to New York State's Attorney General Letitia James. 
His staff finally managed to talk him out of that plan, though it was a near thing. Their arguments that the legislature was fully united against him now, that James is extremely popular in New York, and that the type of attack he had planned would go over very badly with his constituents, managed to win him over on the day of his announcement. The speech itself was the sort of non-apology that we in the U.S. have unfortunately grown accustomed to receiving from our politicians when allegations of this nature come up. It included, among other things, the memorable line, quote, I'm not a pervert, I'm just Italian, end quote. And all but promised his attempted return to political life at a later date. I'm personally highly skeptical that he'll be able to claw his way back into power, but I'm not too broken up about it either, so don't let the door hit you on the way out, Andy. And that is all for this week, folks. Next time on Politalk, we'll be covering the rapid collapse of the Afghan government and the local response to it back here in the States. Thank you all for listening, and as always, cheers. Cheers.